No, we did not fuck it up. Zoom fucked it. Zoom up. fucked up mm-hmm. part two. Take two. Wait, for this part is part two. This is part two. What? what yeah, you... dude. Yeah. When was the last time Zoom fucked up? Th- the third one, but me and you were recording. Right. <laughs> that one. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that one. Fuck. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we don't remember anything because it's going to be a blast going through this again. But <laughs> I mean, for the fucking listeners, round two, part two. We'll record part three next week and fucking do take two of that. Oh, one. yeah, it doesn't help that I have to switch Chris shifts Watts. the next two weeks. <laughs> Chris Watts, part two, round two, bigger and harder. <laughs> We're coming at this one dirty and nasty as fuck. I didn't if, think recording on a Monday would be fun. If Shit, you, If you like cuckolds, if you like cuckolds, you're going to enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the new episode of Drunk Jurors. Uh, we got a wonderful part two, take two going on. If you heard the, you know, before our intro right there, the little blooper we do. Just wait till part three. Take three. Yeah. Take five. <laughs> First of all, part three is also going to be a take two. But I can't, I can't wait part to. Three, part three there will come out problems. in between other. <laughs> problems will, happen. Part three will come out between other series. I can't wait for part three, take three. Point four. The second I, coming. Yeah. I, really, I really fucking hope not. But to start actually, off here, why, why don't I, actually? Why don't we just re-recur, re-recur, re-recur? Oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. This is like the Snyder cut of part two. <laughs> this is that what we're calling it. Yeah. Should, should I bigger, should we do better, it? longer? We fixed all the problems. We didn't Did because we, I don't we? remember what we recorded <laughs> yeah. the first time. But we're gonna go through it. Well, I do we can have... we can fine tune the impressions. We can only pick yeah, the good yeah, ones. Yeah. Like now we know that your George, George Bush, Bush is awful. Good. It's real bad. It's, it's really bad. bad. All right. Before we go any farther, um, we do have someone who commented to us. AKA me and did uh, fact check me and this is the first time this has happened and it spooks me. But um the from Mushka, the correction is uh Shanann was born in New Jersey and not North Carolina. And I did check it and that is correct. So thank you, Mushka, for fact checking me. Thank you, Mushka. We will proceed to brand Jeff at the next in person meetup. I was gonna say, Jeff, you have one job. <laughs> <laughs> One, one. That's to know. That is to know at least what state. I think I. So at least you got the country right. So I know how I fucked it up. Is it that? Is is it NC and NJ? (laughs) No, it's remember when I tried to call it New Carolina Ah. (laughs) because they got married in North Carolina, or that's Mm. where they met. Well, so to be fair, New Jersey is probably. Oh, God, it's not even up there in the top five worst states, is it? I think it might be, t- like, fifth worst state. It's pretty New bad. New Jersey's pretty bad. Yeah, New, Jersey's, New Jersey's pretty bad. New Jersey's gotten better since Snooki's no longer I was a part say, of it. I but... think Jersey Shore just smacked it up into five. So Yeah, God, and Chris Christie, but we won't talk about that. But also, I'm Jeff. I'm Adam. I'm also Adam. Fuck yeah. Hopefully your audio doesn't fucking suck. <laughs> No, I, I, I have good internet, so. I am drinking some bourbon and a Hoppin' Nomad IPA session ale. It sounded on. like a bleeding goat. <laughs> um, I am drinking Smirnoff Ice Pink Lemonade. Is that and, one cold? Uh, yes, this one's cold. Right. Um, if you would like to know what it 
how I feel about warm, weak old Smirnoff ice cream. Yeah, can you can you describe to me the flavor profile of that revert, one? Well, you just got to revert back to cat hissing noises <laughs> that I made earlier. So, <laughs> Jeff, did you see or hear any yeah. of my cat hissing? Okay, yeah. good. It was, good. It was good. it was entertaining. Uh, I am drinking an uncommon stout from Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, I just uh, finished with this one basically, and now I have warm blue wave. So. I forgot to put it in the fridge. All right. So if you remember from part one, we talked about it. We talked about it. That was a while ago. We literally recorded both the rest of the fucking series that are doing it again. I don't know. That's why I'm going to recap it. All right. So this professional right here. Oh, no. In a world. In a world where these assholes only had to record each episode once. This is what happened last week. This is what happened last week. Jeff is already Jeff is already one hundred percent done with us. One hundred percent. So episode one it was how the uh I mean not really how they met, but when they met and then the months and the events leading up to their disappearance and then the day of their disappearance and the little investigation type thing that happened from there. So part two, we're picking up next day when Nicole meets Dos. with CBI agent Greg Zentner. Um, and they just, have we made fun uh, of his name yet? Did we make fun of his again name last week? No. I don't know, but Jeff. I feel like we should make fun of his. Trying to figure out how to say his name. We, I feel we, like we on should take two. You should yeah. know how to say. Their we names should make now. fun of his name while making fun of Jeff for not knowing how to say his name. Zent, who the fuck names their kid Zent? What well, is it? It's his last name, so they didn't name him. That. I mean, they He's had a choice. Of... They could have named him like Slagathor or something. Slagathor. <laughs> like, yes, I forgot. Slagathor gets you so much fun. Imagine CBI agent Greg Slagathor. Dude, yo, I, that'd be yo, awesome. That's, that's amazing. A name. That's a name. That is a name. Yep. Hey, all right. My, you don't want to tell us what you know? We'll just we'll just bring in Zag Slagathor. Yeah. Hey, hey Slagathor, get in here. So the first thing they go through is uh basically the entire 911 call, which we pretty much went over in part one. So skip a little bit of that theoretically she then also talks about how she met shenan and the morning they came back from their trip to arizona which yet again was pretty much kind of already laid out in part one but how she met shenan was through thrive aka lavelle right that's what it was oh the the pyramid pyramid scheme scheme. yeah Yeah, the multi-level one i actually made a note about this oh yeah multi-level marketing company lamau that was my note lamau (laughs) (laughs) nice because they called it a company and i laughed it's the pyramid scheme. <laughs> and then basically she just explains that when they got back, she dropped her off and watched her go up to the front door. And that was the end of her explanation of what happened after they got back from the Arizona trip. <laughs> Granted, oh. I, I also would hate a trip to Arizona. She then goes on to tell um, oh, Zentner about how when they did like the day before when the police were walking through, the couple's bed had been stripped and everything was in a pile in the corner. And also, her wedding ring was still on the nightstand, which that is super weird. But also, all of her stuff still appears to be around. She ends up, they walk the house. They, so, they find her ring, her cell phone's in the couch cushions. Her purse is, like, hidden behind the door into her, like, office room. Real fucking odd shit. And then she brings up that Chris doesn't want the baby. Oh. Which, yet again, 
back to part one. Pretty obvious from when we said that on the uh, video, he looked like Nick finding out that he got into college. We did. That was we your said strap. That. Yeah, that was your exact description of oh, piece in the video. I do have. I feel like Jeff went back and listens to part one. So. Probably <laughs> no. So there's really weird things that stay in my head, and one of them is me. He's comparing myself to a father who doesn't want a kid to getting into college. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I. That's okay. I mean, Nick can relate to a father not wanting a kid. Move skis. Okay. I didn't know I was gonna get so mean so quickly. Heard of that one, boys. <laughs> oh, hope so. The joke was at you and not having a father. Oh, hey, man. He's fucking waiting on the cigarettes. What do you want? Okay. Take, do you know how long it takes for a tobacco plant to grow? <laughs> His brand was <laughs> not what, like 10 plus years now? His cigarette brand went out of business and stopped <laughs> producing, but he's waiting for that pack still. Or like 10 years ago. So. Then the question is asked, why wasn't an Amber Alert issued? Nick, would you like to give them the reason why an Amber Alert? Uh, because the kids went with the mother, and it's not like the kids just kind of ran off. If the, the kids, also, if the kids are with a legal guardian, then there's no precourse enter or to also, issue an yeah. Amber Alert. They also don't know if anything like serious has actually happened. Like they, he, like they said, they might. If so, basically, if the kids go with the mom or are with the mom, so Amber Alerts can be Which issued. Which is the story at the time that yeah, if, kids if, are yeah. alive with their mother, yes. If Amber Amber Alerts can be issued immediately, assuming the kids are missing or are in danger, um, that wasn't the case at the time. It was assumed that the, they were with the mom. The mom was they were all alive, and if that's the case, then nothing can be issued until forty eight hours, and then the mom is missing, considered missing. Twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. Right. Uh, yeah, kids basically. Everything gets compressed with kids. So then after a while of talking, yet again, it's just going over all the stuff we went over in the first one. Trust me, I read the entire fucking transcripts for this. A lot of it's actually just them bullshitting together, which is really odd. But whatever. They're just having a good time. Um, After this interview is when agents start to believe that Chris was involved in their disappearance in some way, shape, or form. Which is probably pretty obvious. Um, Then we're going to move on. To the first police interview with Chris. Not the fun one. Oh, okay. This, so, this is the one on his front porch, right? No. We can go over the one on his front porch real quick if you want. That's just him talking to the press, though. That's yeah, like not, that's that's not a police interview. being an idiot. Yeah, I feel fair. like, did, did we talk Did we talk about it in part one or in part so two? So I part remember one? the ending was either I said we were going to talk about it in part two <clears> or that uh, we were going to talk about it in part one. But we can go through a quick recap of it. It's really dumb. Let's 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 do it. <laughs> let's do it. Rather right. have too much info than too, too little. Yeah, let's give right. let's give Jeff more work at it. No, well, that's fine. All right, so quick synopsis of what happened the next morning after they went missing. Chris is standing out on his front porch talking to about to do a press interview about his kids missing and his wife missing also. And as he's about to start, the police show up with cadaver dogs and ask to search his house, which he says, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's always a fun time. Police go in. The second they go in, just big-ass whiff of fucking cleaning chemicals is just the only scent in the fucking house, which is going to happen if you leave a killer in his fucking home overnight. Suspicious. Yet again, Not even again. Yet again, nothing against the cops because they had nothing to say, like, you can't be here overnight. Like, they, they can't technically say it's a crime scene. So... 
Yet again, nothing wrong against them, but that's what happens. So they go out and they're searching. But while they're doing that, he gives a press conference release or like a press interview. It's just odd because he lacks emotion. And yet again, you can't judge anyone for the way they grieve because everyone grieves differently. But at one point he like mentions, so he, there is a quote in it when they ask him about if he is like how he feels about like them not showing back up yet. And he states that because they haven't shown back up that quote unquote, that's what started to concern people. He doesn't state that that's what started to concern me or anything like that. It is, that's what started to concern people. And then, yeah, the police just continue to do their whole like little search with the cadaver dogs. The cadaver dogs don't hit on anything, which we can get into that in part three, because there's a reason for that. Cause it goes against his, conf- actually we can get into it in this part when we talk about his confession. Yeah. That's basically what happens that morning. All right, Chris, police interview. The first one they go through they talk about just normal it's just like introducing them like themselves and stuff nothing too amazing i don't know what's happening <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is basically like two kids in class like <laughs> this is basically two kids in detention basically being idiots while the teacher is doing homework or like grading papers you can't yell at us because we haven't done anything blatant yet but man, you want to. <laughs> so the agent that questions uh, Chris Watts is Special Agent Graham Coder, who is with the FBI. The FBI has been called into the case at this point. So they basically just get to like know each other. Will you fuck off? Jesus Christ. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? He was tongue punching a bottle. <laughs> who are you yelling at, by the way? Me or him? <laughs> Yes. All right. <laughs> we, we officially did the blatant thing and got yelled at by the teacher. <laughs> so they basically just get to know each other. They talk a little bit about, like, his wife and kids and just not, like, about the case yet, just talking about them. And he kind of expresses, like, his love for his wife and his kids. And then they start getting into details. Uh, Chris says that he states that there's not enough clothes missing from his wife or kids for it to seem like they packed up and left and went to a friend's or to stay at someone else's house because of the argument they had that morning about separation. He also states that he has talked to all of his friends and none of them know where they're at. During this interview, Chris is asked if he thinks the conversation that morning about separation was a reason that Shanann might have left. He goes on to explain that he thinks after he left for work, she thought about it more and decided that it was the best decision to take the kids and leave. So that's hearing... always worked out really well is yeah. when one <laughs> person in a, within a relationship decides, Hey, fuck it. I'm just going to take the kids and leave. I mean, that usually just leads to a lot of court battles. No one wants to fucking go through. And then the kids hate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, all right, we're, we're, I see, I see we're both bringing up. <laughs> we're both... Hold on. The, my, I don't hate either of my parents. They got divorced when I was 18. Not my fucking problem. <laughs> they live their lives and I live mine. I'm just saying, if you have little kids, they're that both... true. The kids are going to hate both parents for putting them through that kind of bullshit. I, 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 I have friends who went through that. It's awful. It's much easier for you to just leave without your kid. Nick. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, see, yeah, see. <laughs> uh, honestly, he's the hero in this story. Because then it makes you like the other parent more. 
after hearing this, the agent asks Chris to go deep into the conversation because he thinks that there might be new clues that can help out. When asked why the conversation happened at 4.15 in the morning, it was because she had told Chris that she wanted to wake up when he did to shower and get ready for the day, which is because she was on a her flight got delayed and she didn't get home till really late, so she didn't shower the day before. Understandable, I guess. That prompted Chris to think that that was the best time to have the conversation, conversation since she had been gone for so long and he wanted to do it face-to-face. Which... I understand part of that is when I want to, like, when my girlfriend and I are having uh, any issues or something, like, I, if she's gone, I'd much rather still talk to her face to face than anything. Granted, like, if you're gone for a month, I'm going to call you because that's the next best thing. But I also prefer to do things face to face. Granted, it could have waited till the next day. If you've waited that long, you can wait or till the next day. Yeah. Well, whatever. He chose to do it then. I'm watching Nick go through all stages of menopause right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. I was cooling off. And then you made... Your fucking hot flashes. And... <laughs> Adam, you know, I have both monitors, my camera. I'm hot. Okay. It's almost like we have the same amount of things oh, you suck my ass and i'm wearing a sweater oh my god i don't know how it's not fun <laughs> why are you still wearing it because i don't want to take my headset off <laughs> fucking idiot so chris then goes on to explain uh his morning so he says at 2 a.m shenan gets into bed with him at 4 a.m that's when his alarm goes off for work and he gets up gets dressed brushes his teeth and then uh, he goes that he finishes everything that he does upstairs. So at 4:15, um, he gets back into bed and slides next to her and starts having a conversation with her about uh, putting the house up for sale and talking about separation and proceeding with getting a separation. Then he says, "Well, it got pretty emotional. 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 Like we're emotional. It got really emotional because of this connection that they had was just falling out of love now." And then they talked about trying to stay together just for the kids' sake, but then they realized that that's not just going to work because if they don't love each other, putting your kids through that's not going to work well either. Then he goes on to talk about the kids a little bit, just talking about how much he loves them. And then he says that he went downstairs uh, to make his protein shake, and that was around 5 a.m. Then he packed his lunch, had oatmeal and chicken, which is a weird fucking breakfast, but whatever. Yeah, that I've, I've never heard of that. Like, like canned chicken. Like, that's just that's that's. Canned. When did he say canned yeah, chicken? Canned Why chicken are you adding canned? I said chicken. and chicken. Be- well, no, I'm thinking like, what would I do in the morning if I, for some ever re- for some reason, ever wanted canned? It was probably meal chicken. prepped. Still stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, he Nicole had him doing that weird shit, didn't she? Can chicken my ass. I'm no one, I'm lazy. No one, I, would, I don't anyone ever actually bought that. Yeah, I haven't, but I know you people should, who have. 
We should do a we should do a YouTube video of the three what, of us canned, trying canned chicken eating canned it's like tuna. chicken. It's like tuna. It's essentially oh, the same I thought, as tuna. I thought you were talking about they sell like a a small whole chicken in a can. Oh, fuck that. that sounds can. worse. Yes, so I thought that's what I thought you. No, were I was talking about, about shredded. I did think, think you meant I was shredded. talking about. I did. I think thought you were talking about like chicken. the canned tuna type chicken, like the like shredded like chicken. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, no, no. I want. Yours sounds worse. So I want us to now buy I don't, a can. I that sounds like that. a sardine. Yeah. <laughs> sounds you gotta, pop, you gotta pop the bottle what, opener what? on, open what? it up. Question. Have you guys ever had soft shell crab like eating the shell? No. No. All right. I'm not the only one who finds that. I don't think I've ever actually had like the meat of the crab. I think I've only had crab legs. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I've only ever had too. I, I think like once you Good. get to the joints, it's like gross. Yeah, the there's gross. The, yeah, it's like, like cartilage and shit. Yeah, yeah, it, it, like it's yellow. It's weird. Apparently, people I mean, I still, eat, like, I still eat that part, but <laughs> people like soft shell crabs. They just fucking fry it and then you eat the yeah. shell and shit. It's, I've never, I just recently saw that as was a thing. So at five fifteen, he went outside and backed his truck up to the garage because he had to load up his book bag, his lunchbox, computer water jug, and his big clear container, which is. I don't know. I'm How big tools. is this big clear container? I don't know, but all this shit sounds oh, so like why... something you could just carry to your truck. And yeah. his neighbor on after they watched mm-hmm. the CCTV footage that we talked about in part one said that he never backs his truck up to load it up. He will literally just walk from the garage to his truck every time. So that that part's I'd like part's a odd. big clear container. That sounds interesting to have. What do you? What would you put in a big clear container? I would brine stuff in it. Semen. How big of a <laughs> how big do you think a big clear container is? I, I think like often? two, three gallons, maybe. Oh, I I feel like gallons. I can't even brine stuff in that. That's I mean, you impressive. could brine like a chicken breast. When I think of a big brine that in a Tupperware container. <laughs> when I when I think of a big clear container, I'm thinking of like a Home Depot bucket that's clear. <laughs> yeah, like no, a yeah, five gallon bucket. Yeah. All right. I guess Isn't mine's it? just a clear container. It's not a big clear container. You're you you're over there. I mean, if you think that's big, I mean, you need to recheck some of your body parts. But no, no, no I already know that's small. That's <laughs> okay. that, that's that's not a concern. That is well established. I mean, also, like, if we're talking about coming in a bucket, I mean, like, <laughs> a two to three gallon bucket <laughs> is like what, like four or five times, right? Hold <laughs> 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 the fucking phone. I have oh, so chief. much shit to cut out oh, of this. <laughs> so he then goes on to explain his day which is um that he hadn't heard from the man for about two hours so at around 7 40 he texted her and asked if she could tell him where the her and the kids were and if she took them anywhere and chris said she didn't reply so at 12 he texted her again saying call me and nothing and then at around 12 10 is um when he got a notification about his like doorbell basically a ring doorbell um and then it uh-huh. popped up on his phone that Nicole Atkinson was at his house. So he started driving and called her and trying to, like, let her in. And then uh, at around 12.20, he called again to see what was going on. And Nicole told him that uh, Shanann hadn't responded to any of her calls for that day or any of the friends' calls. And Chris said that part's really strange. He says that she doesn't always get back to him, though, because, like, when he's working, like, He's like, that's fine. I mean, he's doing shit throughout the day because, you know, he's at work. 
Um, but he said when she doesn't get back to the people she works with, which are, are also aka her friends because it's a pyramid scheme and you can just bring your best friends into that shit willy-nilly. Uh, Chris <laughs> is then asked um, what he thinks happened with his wife and kids and he says he thinks that someone took her and um, it would have to be someone she knew because there's no sign of anything being disturbed or broken and he says like basically just like that's the way I'm leaning and I thought for real she was just like left and went to go decompress at a friend's house while Chris um, Chris is asked what was he a part of why they're missing Chris then explains that he would never hurt them and he seems slightly upset when saying it, but he doesn't seem like completely appalled by the question or too bothered by it. Like he doesn't like flip out on the guy like, oh my God, why the fuck would you even ask me that? That's my kids. He's just like, no, I wouldn't hurt them. And then just kind of patrol little lulls on with his day. The agent then tells Chris with a little bit of psychological warfare that um, they will be calling multiple forces um, of the FBI to come in. That includes calling people off of vacation to come help and that they will be doing a deep sweep of the house that night at this point i personally think is when chris probably should have started to worry but since he was cooperating and now realizes the scale of the investigation but he doesn't he actually agrees to come back the next morning and take a fucking polygraph like a fucking idiot so never do a polygraph ever don't ever do anything without a lawyer either yeah even if yeah if uh i can't remember who said it only the old if you ever if you ever choose to self self represent yourself in court, your client's an idiot. Yeah, I can't remember whoever said that, but yeah, sounds like something Jesus would say. Probably, I, I like to think that he would have dropped that little nugget. He dropped a lot of those good ones, a lot, a lot of lot of solid nuggets. We will now be getting into the FBI interview that the first FBI interview with Cole <laughs> Kessinger. Uh, we will be having some readings done by some people. Some, some famous people, person, yeah. Some, some celebrities. Yeah, we're having celebrities yeah. come in. Yep. So it's the you luck. hate to see it celebrity hour. So <laughs> that again. What is this? To everyone, good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> may, may God be with you. <laughs> I will be reading the lead up to this. I want you to know. Also, I'm pretty sure Nicole ends up talking to the FBI or the police like four or five times, but the rest of them we'll get into in part three. Maybe but I'm going to now part, set the part I'm three. Part three, take four. I'm now going to set the scene for the wonderful, this wonderful, wonderful <laughs> section. It was a uh, cold, dark night. <laughs> Rain glistened off of her bosom. <laughs> so on the same day Chris was being questioned at the police station, his mistress, Nicole Kessinger, met with two FBI. This is a direct quote by my book. Oh, fuck. I forgot to source this. My source is the same as the first one, well, in part one, but it is uh, In Cold Blood, Discovering Chris Watts, The Facts, part oh, yeah. one. I have a source. Uh, my Daddy's a Hero by Fuck. That's the name, Adam actually. Watched the fuck. Net- Adam watched the Netflix documentary. Uh, yeah, professional. The Family Next Door, like American <clears throat> Murders. An, an American Family, something like it's that. It's like The Family nice. Next Door, like something. My Daddy is a Hero by Lena Derhali. I got this. Hold on, I'll look up. I can't wait to listen to another six-hour audiobook. I've been trying to listen to Angels and Demons, but I keep having to do research. So Adams was American Murder, The Family Next Door, the documentary on Netflix. All right. So Yeehaw. Back at it. On the same day Chris was being questioned at the police station, his mistress, Nicole Kessinger, met with two FBI agents in a local part for a quote-unquote informal chat. Nicole stated that she thought she'd best come forward and let them know about the affair. However, we've since found out that she was aware that Tony Husky 
had already reported the affair to the police earlier that morning after reviewing Chris's computer traffic. Who's Dwayne Tony Kessinger, Husky? It's one of the he is Anna Darko's regional security manager. Okay. Dwayne Kessinger, who is Nicole's dad, accompanied her to the interview. The interview is between Nicole Kessinger, her dad, Special Agent Mark Lair, Lerer, L-E-H-R-E-R. We'll just call him Mark. And then Special special Agent Philip Jones. Here we go. (laughs) (coughs) Okay. Take your time. Take your time. That's how it is. I mean, what is this, Trump it's... reading Trump? <laughs> <laughs> that... Trump and Trump? <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. And then did the relationship develop beyond friendship? Yes. Okay, okay. And then did he say anything to you about where he thought the relationship was going to be going? Or what he was hoping for the future. Let me be clear. I think that he was looking for a relationship with me. Um, but I knew that he was in the process of a separation. So for me, I was kind of having a hard time of that. Where it's like, you know, because he told me, oh, we're putting the house up for sale. We're, we're putting the house up for sale. Um, and I told him, you know, I am not comfortable with, with considering you my significant other and vice versa. While you are still, like, in the midst of a divorce, like, obviously, you know, once you and her are finalized, with a divorce, I'm like, once you know your kids have your new location that you wanted to, to move, to set up, once all that is where it needs to be, I'm like, then you and me can talk about it. You know, eventually, like, dating seriously and, like, building something with each other. Uh, but I mean, that was kind of the my standstill on that. You know, I uh, I feel guilty that I should have like waited to, I guess, like initiate anything that we had together until after his, his divorce was finalized, uh, as opposed to doing it while they were in. The midst of separating. Give, give us another voice. I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring out my inner Bill Cosby. No, that's what I was gonna <laughs> use. <laughs> okay, okay. That's not Bill Cosby at all. I, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck that was. I no, but I feel like you should have kept with it. Okay, I okay. feel like. We- Can you walk me through that on Saturday? Like, where did you guys meet? All right. Now we're going to do my Bill Cosby. <laughs> um, so when we spent time together, I didn't really like to go to his house. <laughs> so we uh, spent time at my house. Um, uh, he uh, went out to dinner. That's what I did. 
He said he had a babysitter and he had to wait for the babysitter and we met up. I don't know what time he came over. Probably like five or six was Avenue. And we... (laughs) (laughs) Just literally went, how's your mama do? You go And we we actually tried to go up to a restaurant down the street from my house, but I didn't like the menu, so we left and we went to another one. I'm one four fourths. It's called the Crazy Dog. I've never seen the Bill Cosby show. Bill, 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 that's that's the Lazy Dog. Bill, no, no, no. fact, fact. No. Before we before we get fact checked again, it's the Lazy Dog. Bill is an improviser. All right, <laughs> and these are direct quotes. You can't improvise. Bill, Bill it's, it's the Lazy Dog. Bill, please. <laughs> We were supposed to get this done in the past eight hours. This we were supposed to be done at two. And and we went up there and we had dinner and then he came back to my house and and hung out with me for probably about fifteen minutes and then he left because he said I had to go relieve the babysitter for Dabba Dooba <laughs> And so the no, fuck no that ain't it. And yet Saturday was fuck. What the fuck am I saying? And that was Saturday. Yeah, that that was Saturday, and that was the last time I saw him. (laughs) (laughs) We're going through the icons here. (laughs) (laughs) You gonna read, you stupid bitch? I don't. I don't do impressions. I do accents. <laughs> let's hear. Let's right. hear your. Let's hear your natural cultural accent. My natural cultural accent. <laughs> All right. Okay. And then, you guys. Oh, was there I... anything else? Was it just dinner? Did you go any place else? Visit any ellipses? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> No, we just went to dinner. <laughs> That's one of the only times I've actually ever been out in public with them. But yeah, just dinner. Is that supposed I'm, to be Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, during so. Terminator? I I'm, think so. I am 100% taking Nick's cultural approach over here. <laughs> okay. He is a man of my people. All right, before you go, before you go on reading, let me give a little bit of a backstory to the, of in between these conversations. Um, they talk a little bit more about some of the other times they met up while Shanann was gone at, in North Carolina. Now they move on to they find out that Nicole or that Nicole was helping Chris find an apartment. So that's where we lead up to now. I mean, we've been helping try to find a new spot. So I'm sure we talked about it like, hey, because I know. We were trying to set up a time this week to go, like, have him. Ellipses. He <laughs> he wants <laughs> ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to get an apartment that was for him and his girls. So sometimes, I mean, we talked about it as recently because he's just like, I gotta find a place. We we were supposed to go looking at some stuff. 
this week. We were trying to get set up um before this all happened. Uh, so I mean, like a little bit of stuff, but it's never like directly him, his wife. It's like this is what's going on, and I was just like, I'll give you a helping hand. Like, I'll look at apartments for you guys. And, like, I would tell him, oh, I found an apartment. God, when I choose some weird voices, it's the longest paragraphs. <laughs> an apartment that's got a pool for your kiddos. <laughs> and it's got a park for your kiddos. And it's close to work and close to the gym. And, you know... And trying to make sure he got a place that was close to where um, his ex-wife will be staying so that they were all, you know, centrally located to each other and just really trying to help him get set up so this that this is the world's longest sentence with Christ. her um with the kids and then he could be in a location that was like safe and certainly located and centrally. good for the kids. I don't need a speech writer over here. <laughs> well, Donald it's a direct Trump, quote. I will correct you. Donald Trump is perfect. Uh, is, themselves the when he had them. And so, I mean, just trying to, like, help him to, like, transition and then be a good dad and make sure he was there for them. Uh, thank you, Giant Peach. This we appreciate is, you. This, so check the Discord. This is the exact image after you finish your reading, your transcript reading. <laughs> yeah, that adds up. I like it. I like it. Oh, God. Thank you for all the celebrities that agreed little, to read yeah, some right? scripts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, special, shout out to, <laughs> special shout out to Bernie, to Trump, to Obama, to Arnold. To uh, Steve Irwin, <laughs> <laughs> to Bill Cosby, to the other Bill Cosby, to the other Trump, <laughs> to Michael. Yes, thank you, little Michael. L- little Michael, to be specific. Uh, in modern days, he prefers Lil Michael. Lil Michael? All right. Lil, L I L. Lil. Oh, gotcha. Thank you. Thank you to Narrator Man who said ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> and question mark yeah <laughs> ellipses question mark <laughs> question mark mark, mark 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 nicole then goes on to state that um chris doesn't know and that no one knows that she had called them and planned for this meetup in her like informal interview type thing oh god she then went on to just say that um he was acting weird on the day that they were missing, saying that like they were just gone, but like that was all she that all he said. So she just thought maybe they went to the grocery store to a friend's. But then after seeing the police, like seeing the news that night, she realized how serious this had gotten, and she decided that I should probably talk with the police. Um, she also stated that Chris was never rude about Shanann when he brought her up, like when she was brought up or he brought her up or whatever. Um, if she ever came up in conversation, he was very civil or civil about her and ha- never had anything negative or derogatory to say about her. Um, she is then asked if they were in love and she says, no, I think I could have gotten there had things had played out 
like in a decent manner, but they're not because it's a horrible situation. I do. I don't know where she's at. And it's really concerning me that this woman and her children cannot be located. It's not okay. It scares me. And I'm worried for all of them. And then she goes on to say one thing I did want to let you guys know is that um, while looking at the news, I found out that she was 15 weeks pregnant. This is something I did not know. So this is the first time that Nicole finds out that Chris was going to be having another baby. And she states that if she would have known this, she wouldn't have ever done the affair, which I don't think really fucking changes anything. But I don't know what your guys' views are on that. But I mean, eh. <laughs> that was a very good bottle of cork. Yeah, that was, that was very a really nice. solid cork. So what do you guys think about this interview? Um, do you think that she was covering something up? So I don't remember the interview. I wasn't there. Um... It's the one. It's the one. <laughs> no, no, I, I was gonna make a joke about how Bill Cosby was there, not me. I, or, or, I don't know. I, 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 uh... I, don't, I don't think she's. Don't give too much because part three will be us going into the theories. But yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think she. Uh had any idea about the murders i don't think she knew any of that but i think she definitely knew more about the relationship Mm -hmm. than what she's putting on but by admitting to that it makes her more of a suspect so it's easier to just turn a blind eye i didn't know yeah yeah so also a little tidbit of information um she did delete all the texts between her and Chris before this interview. Those aren't hard to find. Yeah. Um, she also had advised him to do the same thing, though. Oh. Also, another question. Why can't... These are questions from the book I read. Um, why can't she remember anything that they discussed during the 111-hour... Or 111-hour... 111 111-minute 111 phone call the night of the murders? Um... So the, the fact that it's the night of the murders is sketchy as fuck. The but but also she knew during the day that like they were missing and he was worried. So I understand having that long of a conversation. Maybe she's just trying to calm him down. Well, but yeah. also I feel like if that's what you were doing, you would be able to remember that's what was happening during the phone call. Well, and I I mean I'm sure Jeff's also done it where like you just call your significant other and say nothing. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, like you just you have like a three minute segment every like five minutes, just no one saying anything. Yeah, and or like especially if you live with them because you talk to them pretty much every day. Well, like I mean, we've done it where like we'll talk before bed, and then like one of us would fall asleep and on just be on the phone, and like one of us at some point will hang up, but we've fallen asleep on the phone together, like yeah. It happens. Next question. Do we think that Chris, yet again, don't give a full thing because we will get into this. I'll say for Trump. Do we think that Chris confessed to all, confessed everything to her about the night of the murders? No. No. He was trying to start a new life with her by doing this. There's no way he would jeopardize that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking also. All right, so now we move on to the confession interview that happened the next day. So obviously he agreed to do a polygraph. So when giving the formalities of the polygraph, hold on, I got to fucking hold on. My source for this for one is JSC Criminal Psychology. They have, it's a YouTube channel and they have a YouTube 
they have like multiple parts about his interviews and they break them down and only do like the highlights and it's really fucking good i highly recommend going and watching that if you want to like really break down his like confession and the polygraph and all that shit um i gotta find hold on one second i gotta find her name it's tammy something i can't remember so the agent that does the polygraph is cbi agent tammy lee so when giving the formalities of the polygraph chris agreed to and was asked how he was feeling he says that he was sick to his stomach because the first day he was thinking that they just left but the after the day the prior day's interview he started to worry because he saw the people that they brought into his house and personally i'm assuming that's because of the whole fact that they told him they were going to bring in people from vacation from the fbi to go sweep his fucking house that night oh probably a pretty good fucking reason to be worried mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so during the pre-test I mean, also i don't know how worried he would be because he, he he cleaned it well uh, he a he cleaned it also he strang- only strangled her his wife in the house and the kids were alive when they left the house so, so we'll get into that uh and there's the not much cadaver dogs to find. a little bit here yeah, like, well, there's not much that they could find yeah so during the pre-test tammy uh goes on to tell chris her credentials uh she states that she is highly trained went to the best school and has done been doing polygraphs for a long time this seems like reassurance but it's not it's actually a thing done during the pretest. Um, it is meant to apply pressure onto Chris because it will make him think that he's doing even more, that he has to do even more to pass this test. Because now he knows that she's highly trained. She went to the best school and she's been doing this a long time. That immediately puts you in the thought process of, holy shit, I now have to try even harder to get past this person. She then goes on to tell him that there's only two ways that he could fail. A is if he doesn't listen to her instructions, examples being like he moves around too much, he's like not paying attention to the questions he's like finicking to just too much he like all that type of shit um and b is the obvious one which is uh, if he fucking lies she uh tells him that she would know and that he um he should be truthful because it would be stupid for him to lie which it is polygraphs still aren't admissible in court that's something we should bring up but they are better than what they used to be they still are decently accurate but yes there are still ways to beat them yeah, I'm of the opinion that polygraphs are mostly bullshit. Just well, and the guy who created them also says these should not be yeah. like used in court. They are not a hundred percent accurate. Like they are a pretty decent way to get something started, though. Yeah, but I don't think. Yeah, no, they're I don't a think good way to scare people into yeah. confessing. Yeah, which that because should be also an argument in and of itself, whether that's you could valid or not. You could right now take me in for questioning, ask me to do a polygraph, me being dumb enough to say yes for a crime that happened in fucking North Dakota, and I've never been to North Dakota. I guarantee you, I'd probably fail it because I'd just be worried from the yeah, fact I'd that I'm taking anxiety. a fucking yeah. That's like that's stuff for like testing and shit is like you have to pass a polygraph, and I'm like I'm gonna fail one of those somehow because I have anxiety and it's gonna fucking I'm gonna freak out. Yeah. Have you ever committed um, a felony? Thinks. No. Fails. So she then asked him a very open-ended question that innocent people usually would give an easy, clear answer to, whereas the guilty would usually give a long-winded answer. The question was, what are ways that you can make someone disappear? Such a fucking 
trash question. It is, but the way that they go about this is so fantastic. So she asks him this question. And the first thing he says is like, he's kind of just like wary. He's like, I don't, I don't really like want to think about this or like whatever. And she just keeps asking him. And then he's like, I don't know. I mean, you could probably like hire someone to do it. She's like, good. Like, let's keep going. Elaborate. Give me some more. He kind of like keeps going back to the hitman thing, but never really says anything else. She starts giving examples and then he starts to catch on. He's like, I don't know. You could like stab someone. You could shoot them. And then finally she hits him with this fucking because she's she is well trained in this and she is a cbi so it's not fbi but like she's still pretty fucking good at interrogating people and she catches on the fact that he's he's skipping over a certain type of death chris is avoiding saying strangulation he's skipping over saying strangulation and smothering and she puts it out there and he goes uh yeah i mean i guess that's a way that's not for quote, but basically that's how the rest of that conversation goes. He's like, yeah, I mean, you strangulation and smothering. And this is kind of what like they hit on for later. So the type of test that Chris ends up taking is called the directed lie test. This consists of three different types of questions. The first is the known truth, which are questions like, are you sitting down? Are you wearing shoes? Um, do you have a beard type shit like that? Real easy. These are baseline readings to get the subject to not be thinking about the next question. The second is a control question, which is which the subject is supposed to purposely lie to. This is yet again to get a better base reading for when they lie. Then there are also relevant questions which pertain to the crime at hand. A guilty subject will show a much stronger reaction to these questions than the control questions, even though they are lying on both. The reason is because the relevant question actually poses a threat to them. So they go through the entire test. Nothing like crazy happens. I mean, you can watch it. I watched it. It's you. I mean, if you know the outcome of this, I mean, you know, when he's lying, it's pretty obvious. And also it's not that wonderful to watch, but if you have the want to or need to, I mean, you can just find it on YouTube, the entire thing. So how long is that again? Is it like seven? Oh, fucking that's with the confession added on just the, I think it's like two to three. Jesus Christ. Just for the poly, the polygraph itself. Um, so after doing a mock test, she compliments Chris to boost his, his confidence. She tells him you did great. You remembered to lie and everything. She then follows this with, you are a really bad liar though. I don't want, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this kind of yet again, getting prepared for the test, boost his confidence, but also let him know, Hey, I'm going to fucking know if you're lying to me. Chris takes a polygraph and then she leaves to look over the results. When she comes back in, um, Coder comes back in with her and they, she then tells him that he failed and he needs to now tell them what really happened. He then proceeds to, proceeds to tell them that he did not fail and he was telling the truth, but the agent then cuts him off and tells him he needs to stop and it's time to talk about what really happened. This is where they start just playing psychological fucking war games. They literally... Um, do mental exhaustion on him that is the plan that they go in with is to mentally exhaust him to where he can no longer lie and he has to confess and they fucking do it flawlessly there so to be fair there is a argument to be made that this is a violation of the fourth amendment um that argument can be made it has been made supreme court has deemed it legal as of now things can change but that 
it, 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 it's on that really weird gray line of it might violate the Fourth Amendment. What's the Fourth Amendment for those uh, of us who don't have the Constitution memorized? <laughs> you have the right to an attorney. Uh, and um, e- uh, fuck, a um, trial by jury. And... <sighs> fuck. Hey, actually, fun fact, I have the Constitution next to me. I can tell you right now. I just know the preamble. Yep. Everyone does this what you have yeah. to pass to get your or pass government in high school or whatever the fuck it is. Well, thanks, School of Rock. Yeah. Or schoolhouse rock. Yeah. I'll think I'll, I'll, I'll find it. <laughs> so the uh fourth amendment is the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue. But upon probable cause, support by oath of or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, the persons or things to be seized. Nick, I think you mean the Fifth Amendment. No. You, really? Because I'm reading the Fifth Amendment, and Nick, I think you meant the Fifth. The Fifth Amendment, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a present, presentment, indictment. Eighth, eighth Amendment. Jesus, fuck. Going through all of them. Uh, prohibits federal government from imposing excessive bail, excessive fines, cruel and unusual punishments. Cruel and unusual. So the, the mental breaking may violate Eighth Amendment. So there we go. Yep. So Tammy then tells Chris the reason he is sick to his stomach is because he knows what he knew that he was going to fail the polygraph and that he will feel better if he tells them what he knows. So this is called the futility technique. Um, it tells that denial is pointless and polygraph yet again, we're just going to say it again. Polygraphs are not admissible in court. So that the point that Chris is still free to leave at this point in this interview, like at this point with them coming in saying he failed and questioning him still has every right to leave. He hasn't perjured himself or anything. Like he, he hasn't said that he did anything. He could just get up. He could impose that he deserves a lawyer or just fucking leave. It's Either fun. of those are an option. It's a power move, actually. So at this point, the agents are no longer looking to ask questions um, and receive answers, but they are actually trying to mentally exhaust him, like I said. Uh, when they see denial in his face, they will cut him off before he gets the chance to lie. They are trained for this. They are very good at their job, and if you watch the confession, you will understand that they are very, very good at what they're doing. Um, they then start deceiving him on how much information they know, saying things like we found things during the overnight search. We know like you did this shit like that. Um, Chris just goes into like a weird breakdown situation where he just continuously repeats that he said he says he wants them back in different phrases. But basically the gist of it is that he just wants them back. Coder then reinforces that Chris is a good father because he knows that they um, he knows what they ate. He was the one that packed their lunches every morning. He read them bedtime stories every night. Um, Chris then tells them that he wants that he was cheating on Shanann. Coder then tells Chris he's proud of him for being truthful and that they will leave Nicole. Well, they don't know it's Nicole at this point, but actually they do, but they're not going to let him know that. Um, they tell him that they will just leave her out of it. She's not a problem in this whole scenario. She's not a suspect, whatever. Tammy then calls out Chris for not shedding a single tear or panicking since his family has been missing for two days. Both interviews never cried. Press interview, never cried. When the police first showed up, never cried. Nothing like that. She then asked an alternative question. Did Shanann do something to them? 
And then after asking this question multiple times, he ceases to not deny every accusation thrown at him. And then a couple minutes later, Chris starts to break down and ask to talk to his father, which they allow. And if you watch it, his dad just walks in a couple minutes later. By a couple, I mean it's like 10 to 15. So they definitely walked out of there and talked to his dad about trying to get a confession out of him. That's not 100%, but that's probably, probably what fucking yeah, happened. That happens a lot. Then Chris's dad walks in, and they are left alone. There's no agents in there, just the recording. He then, <laughs> His dad then starts asking him if there's anything he wants to tell him, and he seems very genuine during it. Like, I don't know if his dad's, like, faking it or whatever, but if he's not, he seems very genuine, like a very caring father. If he is faking it, good on him because he did a great job acting like a caring father. Chris starts to tell him about the morning. He then tells his dad that Shanann hurt them, aka the kids, and that then he killed her. He says that while he was downstairs doing his workout and getting things ready, that she smothered them, and when he came back up, they were already dead. He says he then freaked out and then did the same thing to Shanann. Which, later on, we find out that what he says is that he saw he was looking at the baby monitor and on one of them uh fuck i forgot which one got killed first i think it was bell got killed first and she was just laying in bed and then he, when he looked at the next baby monitor cc was had shenan on top of her and was being strangled and by the time he got up there she was already dead but we're gonna go back to the cadaver dogs now the cadaver dogs came in and they were searching for a scent of death basically like a body being there for a certain amount of time the dogs never hit on that which then shows that that couldn't have happened because they would have had to been there for a certain amount of time and we'll get into it in part three more about the cadaver dogs because there's also a theory that the kids were already killed by the time shenan came home but we'll get into all that part three because the cadaver dog should have got a hit on that but how long does should the body be dead for for it should it would have to be more than a a significant amount of time from what we know from the confession we don't know actually what happened but from the confession basically he killed chanan and then packed up for work and left that's not enough time for death to set into anything to create a scent yeah okay and how would... especially if he deep cleaned if he deep cleaned there's no way that like a body laying there for 10 15 30 minutes would leave us everything yeah well and how would like what would the sentence have been most likely if this was true if he if she killed the two kids probably, and he it went in a fit it would have been secondary it, second it, it, like, it, it depends it depends on what colorado has that's true it might have just been manslaughter because it was a heat of passion. Uh, there was no, there was no plan beforehand to do it. Intentional and he manslaughter, acted, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So, not voluntary manslaughter. Vol- which yeah, is, voluntary. There's no premeditation. He never thought about doing it in the first place, and he reacted in the heat of passion. And if it's true, he probably would have gotten the low end of the sentence. Yeah, because this is a very like understandable crime then yeah. of your wife just murdered your two daughters fuck her like yeah that, that that's a heat of passion killing pretty much any father there, would do that what's the case I, I that's who i thought this was there's a case andrea yates yates yeah that's but he, he didn't kill her no you're thinking of someone else i always bring up andrea yates because you always say texas woman who killed her kids but it, it's someone else I, I, but there's someone who did that it had there's a 
it's a relatively famous case where that actually happened, where the mother killed the kids and then the father killed the mother. Yeah, no, Andrew Yates' father didn't kill the mother. He just called the police right away. But he was already way too late. But that's not that's something we'll get into maybe another series. People, listeners, people, we have a commenter now. People start giving Let us, us know what case series. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about them. We'll fucking do it. We have a couple already lined up, so it might be a little bit down the road, but we'll get to it. Maybe. So, Chris, ten seconds after his dad tells him that he needs a lawyer, after telling him this, the detectives come back in and start to give him nonverbal approval that what he did was right. They are like patting him on his back. One of them says, what you're doing is right. And then uh, they do this to get his attention away from his father's advice, which is a if outside looking in shitty thing. But as a law enforcement major, not technically illegal. Nope. <laughs> Chris then tells them what uh, he told his father and then says that um, the bodies are at Serby 319, a.k.a. the first location you went to for work that day. The detectives leave and come back with a map of the site and Chris then points out where the bodies are. And that's where we're going to basically leave off with that. So he goes on to say that he feels like he left his parents, friends, sisters, nieces, nephews, and coworkers down, but not his wife and daughters. So a little bit odd. Tammy then goes on to question because she thinks it's also a lie. Um, Tammy goes on to then say one detective, not one detective, Jesus Christ. Tammy then calls him out on his confession about how most parents, when they find their kids lifeless, would still try anything to save them no matter what, aka call an ambulance, do CPR, get a neighbor, do something to try to save their lives. Because you are now in a frantic state of, it's going to kick your natural instincts going to kick in and be like, I can save my kid. Like, yes. you're going to try something. You might not try to save her because you just strangled her, but whatever. It, like These are your kids. Like You would try something. So the fact that he didn't say that or try it, if that's the correct theory, then a little bit odd. But that's it for part two. Part three, we're going to get into finding the bodies, autopsies, his plea deal, sentencing, and the theories. Those first four the ones that seem really interesting are actually going to go through really quick because they're pretty straightforward. He doesn't actually have a trial because he does a plea deal. His plea deal is bullshit. Sentencing is a little fucking rough. Theories are kind of fun though, but we'll get into those. So yeah, that's part two. What do you guys fucking got? You got any feelings on that? I can't wait to go through that fun hot topic again for take two. Yeah. 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 Your boy. Ooh. Adam gets it. All right. Well, (laughs) on that note, thank you everyone for listening. You can find us on social media at you hate to see it specifically on specifically on Twitter. You can find us at Y O U H eight two C I T. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are. If you go to Patreon or not Patreon Podbean and type in, you hate to see it in the upper right hand corner. You can click become a patron click become a patron we have different level tiers one through i think 10 right now uh at tier at three the three dollar level you get the unedited version of this so it's probably going to be like at this point well for this episode specifically it's probably going to be like 25 minutes longer because there's a lot of wild shit that i'm going to have to cut out i but 100 blame adam also every other thursday i think the next one specifically is on the third 
we do a wonderful live stream podcast on YouTube called Plastered Paladins. You can find it at the YouTube channel, Arrogant Media. It's live streamed between seven to eight. I like to think that it starts at seven, but we kind of sporadically start that shit. Pretty sure it started follow, at eight last week. <laughs> yeah. If you if you go to our actual podcast page on those Thursdays, we'll actually link it. That's central time, by the It'll way. Seven to, eight. seven to eight. We'll be in the next one. I think that's wrong. Didn't we did one last week? Shit, yeah, you're right. Tenth. Ignore my ass. It's not the third, it's the tenth. Tenth will be the next one. It'll be on Arrogant Media on YouTube. Um, look for we'll share it when we start it on our Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Make sure we start doing that a little bit more. But it's a good time. We just it's us with the arrogant media people, aka Dirk and Steb. Real good time. We just talk about random topics and just get drunk and have a fucking blasted time. But on that note, Nick, you got anything? Professionals. We don't have We are professionals, but we have no standards, so therefore we have absolutely zero standards and are absolutely not professional. Adam. I said my part. (laughs) Yeah, I got that part. (laughs) Yet again, thank you everyone. We appreciate you.